We haven't entirely nailed down what element it is yet, but I'll tell you this, it's a lively one. Let's give your parents a call right now. Welcome to episode number 41 of Gaming with the Moms. My name is Nicole Tanner. I am managing editor at Pixelkin.org and the mother of a three-year-old. I am joined by fellow mom and publisher of Pixelkin, Linda Brenneman. Hi there. And we have a new regular member joining us today. Yay! Yay! Yay. And he's a dad, which is awesome. Yay! Steven Dutzman, thank you so much. We're going to have an awesome time. He is the founder and editor of Engage Family Gaming which is an awesome website that you should visit. And finally, I keep forgetting to do this. I don't believe I'm still forgetting to do this, even though I'm going home. <laughs> I gave oh, you right. a really nice compliment today. You so. did. Okay. The lovely and talented Simone de Rochefort there. Yes, uh, it's yes. me. <laughs> so something exciting just happened to me. Some live caterpillars came from FedEx. What? Which is pretty awesome. Yes. We bought Anna this uh, butterfly garden thing for the winter holidays that we don't uh, practice. Or sup- what do I even mean by that? <laughs> we don't celebrate you don't them. Celebrate That's Christmas. what I mean. We don't celebrate winter holidays in general. Um, but, but we give her presents so that she doesn't feel left out. Um, so we got her a butterfly garden, which is this thing that's going to let her raise uh, real butterflies. And so oh we got that. Cup cool. of caterpillars today in the mail, and we leave them in their cup until they uh, get into their cocoons, and then we take them out and we put them in this mesh thing, and then they turn into butterflies, and we let them go. How many is, caterpillars did they send you? There are five. Um, they said that they might not be active um, because, like, it's a little chilly, you know, in delivery. But all of all but one of them I have seen crawling around. So four of them have survived. I know for sure. <laughs> uh, yes so. that's awesome it what is. kind of butterflies are they painted lady okay oh yes pretty yeah. i'm gonna google that <laughs> i don't know what butterflies <laughs> look like <laughs> all right let's start off like we always do with some news um so this is it's pretty big news to anybody who has basically a newborn baby through elementary school child and that is that vtech is buying leapfrog which are two um, electronic toy, smart toy companies that have long been like the two major players in this space and the competitors. And now there's no competition, which makes me very sad. <laughs> and if you've been keeping up with VTech news, this is probably yes. the last thing that you want to hear has happened yes, to LeapFrog. exactly. For those who don't know, uh, late last year, VTech was hacked. And the data, I've, I believe it's like 6 million children was released. Yeah. First they were like, it's, it's 200,000. And then it was like, uh, a week later, it's actually 6 million. Uh, nothing ever came of it. The hacker didn't plan to release the information i think it was just kind of like a, oh i found a back door and i'm going to prove that you have a horrible security breach uh kind of situation which they did because um yeah that it really sucked so but vtech has now bought leapfrog so i guess that didn't completely financially destroy them uh well leapfrog was having problems financially and i think that's why the sale went through um, what was up with leapfrog because i always was under the impression that they were pretty successful i don't they just haven't been doing that well in like the last couple of years. They they keep trying to make home consoles. Right. And yeah, I mean, that's it. They keep trying to make home consoles and that doesn't work unless you are a massive multinational corporation because home consoles are, you know, without games to support it, it fails. So rather than just make gimmicky toys, they keep trying to make home consoles that fail. Although the <laughs> leap... The the most recent one, the the one that's basically like a cross between a Kinect and a Wii, it's got a, a set-top camera that has found some life in uh, the homebrew community. Uh, some folks who do like virtual reality will actually use the Leap TV, as it is called, for like head tracking. Oh, I, mean, I didn't know about that. But that's that way inside baseball on if you like homebrewing technology. <laughs> and, are, and are cool with having a leap TV on your te- television, <laughs> right? I wonder if it has the huge, the huge uh, frog on it. That would be pretty funny. I honestly don't know what one looks like. I'm gonna Google that too. Now I know what a painted lady butterfly looks like, and now I'm gonna <laughs> see a leap TV. I'm super educated today. Nice. <laughs> well, I, I think the problem with a lot of the leapfrog stuff is that proprietary system. They can't run any games really, except their own stuff. 
So all the popular Nintendo games and all the things that kids love to play, Pokemon or whatever, you can't you can't play on that. The Leap TV looks like a, a an alien saucer from a sci-fi movie in the 50s. It actually looks pretty cool. <laughs> like it's nice. got this weird controller that is like a circle then with two prongs coming out the bottom that you hold on to like you're I don't know dowsing for water or something. <laughs> <laughs> you can actually it's actually jointed so you can actually extend that out so the two like the two wishbone ends extend out so it's like a wand. That is so wow. cool, and that is a way more uh, topical comparison <laughs> than dowsing for water. <laughs> yes, it looks like a wishbone. That makes more sense. Huh. Well, I'm that's all, why yeah, you I'm guys got for, me. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Sweet comparisons. I'm all for innovation in the I don't gaming hardware market, but yeah, you it's it practically impossible to to break in at this yeah. point with a new console. They, I mean, um, they had a handheld for a, a while. They like, do tablets, right? Yeah, they have tablets yeah. now. They had a handheld. I think now that, that makes was sense. fairly successful, the Leapster. Um, yeah, and Vita has tablets too, so. Yeah, yeah, and then they've got the tablet now, which never made any sense to me because it's like, why would you buy a Leapfrog tablet rather than just, you know, get an old iPad because those yeah, are okay, yeah. basically the same price now. So, so yeah, so they yeah, were okay, not doing so sense. well. And what so surprised me when them. I was reading your news report on it, you have that picture of the two talking dog toys that look yes. freaking identical. The one they that VTech are. made and the one that Leapfrog made. So like, oh my God. <laughs> yes, yes, they're absolutely identical. Although VTech is a bear, I think. Oh my and bad. And Leapfrog's is a dog. Yeah. Why don't you get your animals right, Simone? Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. I don't know um, what a bear looks like. I have to Google it. <laughs> um. But yeah, they're they're completely uh, alike. So much so that they both have the same icon on their lower right paw that will uh, launch the the lullaby function. So yeah, it makes me sad though too because the leapfrog stuff in my mind has been always more aesthetically pleasing. Like the VTech stuff to me looks kind of garish and like really really kitty, like really strong primary colors and. All that stuff where Leapfrog has been a little bit more subtle. Um, I felt that way when I looked at the picture of the the dog and the bear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so well, sad day for Leapfrog, I guess. Or maybe not. I don't. Well, okay. No, definitely. Yes. Definitely sad day. But we'll see what happens to their, their yeah. stuff. Uh, yeah. Do, you I don't mean, buy Leapfrog or VTech stuff for Anna? I do. Leapfrog. Oh, do? Uh, yeah. Leapfrog. That dog that I had in the picture, she has the girl version of that. Oh. She has had that since she was a newborn baby. She's been sleeping with it since she was one. Um, wow. It's her lovey. So, you know, it's sad, you know, that that will go away. I have to recustomize it because it's customizable. And I customized it before she was born. Um, so lots of things have changed <laughs> since then. <laughs> like her favorite color and her favorite food, which, you know, I didn't know what she would like before she was born. But yeah, Leapfrog stuff is cool. We actually have a few more versions of that girl dog in the different models. Like there's one that, that reads um, stories to you, which is pretty cool. What about you, it, Steven? Do you buy that stuff for your kids? Um, you know what? We had a Leapster for our oldest son. And I mean, he, it saw play until he got his hands on a Nintendo DS. Uh, and <laughs> we no, mainly gave the Leapster. I mean, we kept it. I mean, I, we don't trash technology around here. So, um, I gave it to my younger son. Uh, so there's it, nine and seven now, so two years difference. So the middle guy, we gave him the Leapster, and he really would – he started using it, and then he just really would rather watch and shoulder surf on the DS with his brother. And now yeah. they you know, they both have DSs, and the, our, our toddler, um, who is three, really – just wants to watch surprise egg videos on on uh, YouTube Kids on her uh, iPad. So the loss of that technology, while it's disappointing for the folks that that do use it, it's a huge niche, right? They're like a right. small niche, rather huge niche is gonna. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that's a silly thing to say, but yeah, <laughs> it's it's there. It's not. I, I didn't really feel any pangs of remorse. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, I'm just. I don't know. I just like the way they look. Well, you use the stuff. It's different. I mean, I, I 
I get it. Shallow. I mean, it's not like it's not like Nintendo closing their doors. You know, like it's not right. affecting. Yes. You know, yeah. Not that yeah, that's no, happening. Sh- I know. Yeah, sh- no, I said that during the news. That didn't <laughs> right, actually yeah. occur. Breaking news from Stephen Dutzman. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she has some stuff and it looks nice. So I don't know. You know, she's, she's three now um, and, and she's the only so she doesn't have like, well, technically, I guess she looks over our shoulder and does stuff. <laughs> she just started playing on the DS. So but yeah, we probably won't wouldn't have been getting her stuff uh, much moving forward. But I don't know. Maybe it's the nostalgia that makes me yeah. sad. Nostalgia for two years ago. Um, so well, hey, that's um, a thing when you, you have can... a three-year-old. It is, yeah, because it's so different. It's like, wow, that's only been two years. Jeez, feels like a lifetime. Yeah, she hasn't um, been around that long. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> um, so, in other news, Lego Star Wars, uh, which we talked about uh, last week a little bit, is coming to obviously every console you can imagine. And the, th- the interesting thing about it that we just found out this week is that it's going to have some content that the film didn't have, and actually content that no Star Wars canon of any kind had. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. It is. Yeah, it's officially a transmedia property. <laughs> Yes, yeah. it is. Buzzwords ahoy! <laughs> uh, so yeah, one of the the extra content things that they're doing in the game is the scene or the story of how Han Solo and Chewbacca captured the horrible monsters that they're carrying on their ship when Finn and Rey show up, which will probably be hilarious because it's Lego. I can imagine that being very slapstick. I don't know. What else do you guys want to see? I totally want to see that. I love those monsters. That was one of my favorite parts of the movie. So I'd love to see how those got... <laughs> capture that beyond the folks over at uh game informer they they talked about um they they actually listed out a bunch of the stuff it's they're going to explain why c-3po has a red arm (gasps) nice yay (laughs) that kind of makes you wonder like you have all these elements of the film that are there that aren't explained how far back in the planning process did they decide to do this they're like okay c-3po on the film needs to have a red arm because we're going to explore that in the lego game and there needs to be these (laughs) random monsters and we're not going to talk about how they got there but we are going to explore that in the Lego game. Like, yes, I'm I wouldn't sure put that's it past Disney because that's what they do. They're very savvy on this whole front. So, so or it be could cool. be that some stuff just ended up on the cutting room floor in the movie. Right. right. Ah. That's probably what happened. And they took it. <laughs> <laughs> they reappropriated it. I would guess it's a combination of both. You know, I mean, they yeah. Disney is really, really smart at developing their stuff. And I think the biggest shock here is that a Lego Star Wars game is being made at all, considering the fact that EA has the the rights to Star Wars video games right now. And I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm just, a, I think it's a bigger shock that the game exists, let alone the fact that they're exploring missing content from the films. Yeah, it is a really messy, not messy legal situation, but in terms of ownership, I mean, you have Disney making Disney Infinity where they've been doing most of their Star Wars stuff. But then they also have Marvel and then Lego is also doing its own Marvel stuff. And then <laughs> it just kind of branches off into this horrible mess of giant properties that, I don't know, are popular yeah. with literally everyone. We, we have a Disney property being published by Warner Brothers Interactive. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It's so, so messy. I mean, it's it's messy, but I mean, we saw, I mean, Wreck-It Ralph was a thing. I mean, their legal team must have been 50 people. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe even more. So, I, I mean, th- I'm sure when EA took the contract, like this this game has probably been in development. I mean, it's coming out in June, right? So it usually takes them yes. about 18 months to make a Lego game at the rate that they go. So you figure this one was probably in pre-production for a while. Like maybe it went into pre-production like as Star Wars started filming, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I, yeah. Which would give them all the deets on like what what's being cut out, what they don't have time for. If that's that, really interesting, I, mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much information they would have given out to like random developers. Yeah, that's Star what I was Wars just gonna is... say. Like that NDA is probably ten pages long. But you know, they probably like geotag their developers and like put monitoring devices on them so that they're <laughs> always listening, so <laughs> no one's in danger of breaking that NDA. <laughs> Everyone tangentially involved with the star involved with the Star Wars movie is just under surveillance at all times. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's true. I've been yeah. getting such a kick out of watching season seven of Parks and Rec, by the way, non sequitur, because <laughs> it's so it it takes place literally 
now, even though it ended like a year ago or something. So they're like referencing having seen the Star Wars movie. And I'm like, I just saw the Star Wars movie. That's so cool. Uh, (laughs) It's really smart. I love it. I'm having a kick out of it. Having a kick? What? Mm, Getting a kick. Awesome. I don't know what I'm doing. I knew what she meant. That was was good enough. (laughs) Yeah. Good enough. I'll I'll stick up. I always strive to be just good enough for this podcast. (laughs) Well, well, I assumed that the standards weren't very high because you guys invited me, so... <laughs> no, no, you're lifting us up. You're bolstering our spirits. Absolutely. Yeah. That's um, never been said about me ever. So uh, <laughs> carry on. So uh Humble Bundle is doing an Ubisoft bundle, which is going to have a bunch of their games like Far Cry 3 and Splinter Cell, Chaos Fury. So yeah, so that's cool. Humble Bundle, you know, is the cool thing where you like get to pick how much you pay for the games and all that kind of stuff. I think we've talked about it on uh, on the podcast before. So that's coming up. Lots of these, lots of M-rated games. But if you like those, then you didn't go even for mention it. Assassin's Creed. I hate you right now. Wow, can't believe wow. this. To be fair, it's Assassin's Creed Chronicles China. I know you're. I know that. I mean, is it? Do, does your love for Assassin's Creed, which is bordering <laughs> on irrational, by the way, move? Does it extend to? Does it now that I've been permanently invited? I can I can poke that bear. Um, is it absolutely? Is does it extend to the two D versions? Yes, like the yes, wannabe Mark of a Ninja games. <laughs> How yes, could you it ask does. me that? <laughs> I know the answer to that, S- Simone. I can ask you that because I've met you literally once, and it was <laughs> it was at PAX East, and you were like super exhausted, and I was super exhausted, and we both almost passed out like right next to each other at the end of an escalator. That was, that's it. <laughs> I mean, wow. I listen to your that podcast. That gives you I'm the right saying. to to mock yes. me for my irrational love of Assassin's Creed. Yeah, I understand. I do. I do enjoy the. Um, I haven't. I still haven't played India and Russia comes out. I think next month. Russia so is I, out I'm now. Actually, it's at, oh, it just came out. Yeah. Yes, you can actually buy all three of them bundled at retail for thirty bucks. Yes, you can, so and they're coming bad. out for the Vita in April because Ubisoft loves me personally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I enjoy I haven't finished China yet, but I quite enjoy the gameplay. Um, and I'm really interested in India just because it uh, stars the father of Henry Green, who is a character from Syndicate. And I love everything about Syndicate because I am a biased trash fire of a human being, um, but I have not yet played it. So that is the end of my screed for now. Wow. For now, until we talk about what I've been doing this week, which... <laughs> oh, geez. Um, and I just saw, too, I'm looking at the GameSpot article, by the way, that says, if you go for the $15 tier, you will unlock Assassin's Creed Rogue. Which one is Rogue, Simone? Rogue was released at the same time as Unity, and it uh, kind of bridges... Um, it, it kind of sets up things in Unity. It's about Shay McCormick, who goes over to the Templar side uh, and betrays the assassins. It was released on previous gen consoles at the same time as Unity, and it basically, they thought it would be a neat trick, but it buried itself. Yeah, it didn't get a lot of publicity, but it was pretty enjoyable as far as I understand. I have not yet played it. I have my own emotional hangups about Rogue, but (laughs) uh, from (laughs) what I gathered, people did enjoy it quite a bit. Um, And like Shay more than Arno, which there there you get to the heart of my my emotional problems about it. <laughs> they, I mean, it was, re- it ultimately was reviewed better, but the problem is people just wanted to play unity or they wanted yeah. to complain about unity. Yeah. Maybe both. Like, why would they release two games on the same day? I literally don't understand the logic behind that. Well, why yeah. did, why, why did uh, Square Enix release Tomb Raider the same day as Fallout? Yeah. I okay, mean, fair because enough. sometimes people do things and they make sense to them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what they should have done is release Rogue and then keep playtesting Unity until it was fixed. Yeah. Anyway, um, go on. Yeah, I was I was wondering if that situation has caused them to make that decision that they're not going to be doing any more uh, last generation games except for Just Dance. Um, I forget when they announced that, but I wonder if like that was that was part of their decision making was like the burial of Rogue. Maybe, and I feel like it's just time. I mean, if you're bifurcating your resources to develop games for both of those systems, then that's uh, a kind of a waste of time if we are committing fully to the current generation. 
Yeah. I stare lovingly at my PS4 as I say this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, uh, so uh, other news, Tokoboka, um, which is a uh, kid's app developer that I absolutely love. If you've watched any Anna's apps, you know that I absolutely love this developer. Um, so they're launching a new campaign uh, called Stand for Play. And it's uh, basically just encouraging people to have more free play among their kids because kids tend to be very overscheduled these days. So they've got school and then they've got practice for whatever and then another practice for whatever and then a, you know, monitored play date with one of their friends. And um, <laughs> so um, so the, the data that they found is that kids have lost 12 hours of free time per week and experienced a 25% decrease in play which obviously is not a good thing because as we learned from Randy last week, kids learn by playing. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah. So the cool thing about this, uh, this little campaign is that if you go to their site, you can sign up to get like this poster package in the mail and then you turn it over and you draw your own poster and then you take a, take a photo and um, upload it to their social channels, which is, you know, pretty cool. Although I, f I find it pretty funny that, um, you know, they're trying to go like, you know, maybe non-computer and yet you need to upload it to uh, their social media. <laughs> yeah. But anyhow, mm. that's out. We have the story on Pixelkin. Have you experienced that kind of uh, loss of free time, like in your conversations with other parents about their, their preschoolers? Uh, no, not preschoolers, for sure. Yeah. I imagine that will change as uh, Anna gets to elementary school age. Um so, Stephen, how about you? Have you noticed that? For children who do organized athletics, yes. My children are as athletic as I was. Therefore, <laughs> they, get all the, they get all the free play they want. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it really comes down to organized athletics are becoming more and more competitive. And in order for them to be more competitive, they need more practice time. And, you know, if you have practice twice a week in a game, that's three out of your – you know, I mean, that's three of your afternoons that are just mm -hmm. shot, really. Yeah. Um, and they say practice is an hour, but the reality is, I mean, we have, we our boys do scouts um, now that they've kind of updated some of their policies. Um, and so, like, scouts is 45 minutes. That's how long the meeting's supposed to be, but not really because it's a half right. hour to get them mm -hmm. in their uniforms and find the slide thing for the little neckerchiefs because they invariably, mm -hmm. like – leave it in a bowl of macaroni and cheese or whatever. So um, I, I, I wish I was joking. Um, and, and then, so it's like a 40, you know, it's a half hour process to get them there. And then you have to decompress when you get home and, you know, talk about what they learned and, you know, do all this stuff it eats a lot of time. Um, yeah. So I can totally see it. Um, but I mean, it's great that Tokoboka is making a concerted effort to give people a structured method to have unstructured play. Um, it sounds, it's, I put it ironically, but I mean, it, it, it's the only way to trick people to do it. Yeah, that's so true. I think we get really caught up. I mean, especially in schools, I, there have been conversations that I've read about uh, schools trying to cut recess time. And I think that feeds into also the standardized testing problem. Like it's not just athletics. It's also the fact that schools are expected to live up to these standardized tests. And so they want to have more class time and less recreation time, which kids are not equipped to handle. Frankly, yes. they need to be able to move and run around at periods during the day. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, I think it really does at a certain point, just because of the the paranoia and the more kindly, the wish to succeed and be a good parent and be a good teacher um, pressures people, I think, into sacrificing free time. And so giving, like I was kind of saying with Randy last week, giving someone permission to say, okay, now we're going to have some recreational time. Now we're going to have unstructured time or game time, and it's going to be good for you. That at a certain point is necessary just because of all the pressure to not do that. That's yes. right. I mean, between the homework, even if you're not playing sports, homework, and then if there's music lessons or any kind of other kind of lesson or club or anything else, there's just no time yeah. left, you know? <laughs> so I, I think it's good to raise awareness for sure. All righty. Um, so last bit of news here. Uh, the Able Gamers Foundation is starting something called Expansion Packs, which they're, uh, they're going to different um, long... Uh, care facilities and installing 
consoles and uh, games and uh, just trying to help uh, people with disabilities be able to game. Um, And they launched their first one uh, just recently. They installed it at the Pediatric Specialty Care Long-Term Living Facility in Pennsylvania. Uh, And it's it's been a, a huge hit which is so awesome. Like I know the Able Gamers Foundation has been around, like I know generally kind of what it is, but this is the first big thing I've heard that they've actually done. And correct Mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong. So I think they've encouraged developers to make their games more accessible. I'm pretty sure that's the organization, but yeah, to to actually send out packs to homes uh, that actually help people play games that's mm-hmm. so cool. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds like a great program. Yeah, it's awesome. So the, they just did the first one. I'm sure we'll be hearing about um, some of the other ones. Uh, and we've got lots of info on our site. They've, they've done a few um, panels uh, at PAX Prime that we have attended. Mm-hmm. So we've got lots of cool things on our site about Able Gamers. Yeah, and they're really big on education and helping people think about thing, think about making games in a different way. So... I mean, raising awareness about how you can make games uh, colorblind friendly and things like that. They're really, yeah. really good at that. And they yeah. raised a lot of money for for disabled gamers. Awesome. So they're cool. And I can't wait to see um, more of this stuff from them. Um, okay, so we're going to move into our main topic, uh, which is the crowdfunding of games. Crowdfunding is all the rage lately, and it actually has been, I think, <laughs> for about the last year and a half. But it's starting to kind of lose its luster because of how saturated that space is. So what do we think? Is this, is it still um, a good option for game developers? Yes. I think it, you talk, Stephen. <laughs> sure. I, I have, I have feelings and thoughts on this topic. Um, isn't that what that's what's supposed to do? Emotion. With, with, with podcasting yes. about it, right? I have feelings yeah. and topics. Okay. So, Admittedly, you know anyone that reads engagefamilygaming.com, hashtag subtle plug. Um, we talk about <laughs> board games a lot, which is obviously a big piece of the Kickstarter pie too. So, part of my feelings about that have to do with um, the fact that I cover two different lines of business uh, that don't really intersect often. However, um, I absolutely think that it is the that it is a fruitful service. I think. The reason that it's losing its luster is not because the service itself isn't working and it's not even because it's oversaturated. I think it's because it used to be that the only people who participated in Kickstarter were people that understood that it wasn't a pre-order service and that it was not an investment and that you were basically participating in an in a service that monetizes excitement and that nothing was guaranteed. There, there just isn't one. So, and that, because there's never been a guarantee, uh, it's just that it's kind of happened. And when it was a small community that was making, pe- letting people self-publish their novels, or you know, paying people to write a web comic, or you know, it, and then it's expressed into video games, and you know, is helping people publish games that they had finished developing. It was great when it started hitting the masses, and just, um, I mean, how shall I say? my people as like (laughs) the gaming public, you know, like once you get the huge internet gamer zeitgeist to get involved in anything, it starts to not be all that exciting because gamers on the internet ruin everything. (laughs) This is true. I mean, I, I mean, I I don't have any other, I mean, that's, and and that's the problem is this is not Kickstarter. Kickstarter is great. I mean, it's just, People on the internet ruin stuff, and it sucks. <laughs> yeah. right. um, so actually, I was looking into this uh, Square Enix thing. It's called the Square Enix Collective, where um, developers can submit uh, like their, I don't know if it's just ideas or a demo or whatever, and Square Enix puts uh, three of them out to their community and just says, what do you think of these these three games? And the people get to vote, and then the game that wins um, kind of moves into the uh, the Square Enix sort of um, senior development team to look at and be like, hey, is this really a game that is going to happen? Are these really people who can follow through? And if they decide that it is, um, then they help them with their Kickstarter or Indiegogo or, you know, other types of things. And, uh, but yeah, that service is completely free. And I was very impressed with that. Although I don't know how many submissions they get, which would probably, you know, affect how 
good it is for people to submit. Um, but I think that's that really that's, interesting. Yeah, that's really cool. I it mean, kind I of remember- distills the hype into one manageable sphere rather than Kickstarter, where everyone is like trying to build hype and it becomes this too diffused i guess like everyone needs a lot of money and a lot of attention to succeed and it it's really hard to get that attention when so many people are so passionate about their projects yeah which is awesome of course yeah also too um i think that that review by the senior team of actual people who have been working in games for a while what um, yeah like you know that's good because it filters out you know anything that not necessarily anything that's bad, but like anything that is really not going to be viable. Whereas on Kickstarter, you can find pretty much anything and there's no guarantee that they will deliver on anything or not be a good game or, you know, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, which um, which is uh, kind of, you know, it's kind of weird. There was actually um, a story... Uh, on Polygon this week, uh, <laughs> the game's name is Story as well. Um, Unsung Story um, so they told their their backers on Kickstarter that their base this game isn't happening. Um, mm-hmm. They did they did some delays previously, but now they're just like, nope, not happening. And so uh, you know the people who invested in that uh, they're very upset and they're asking for their money back. Um, or at least a lot of them are. Steven, are you asking for your money back? Uh, yeah, full disclosure, I am a backer of Unsung Story. You tell me that the guys that made Final Fantasy Tactics are going to make another game, I will gladly give them $20. Um, right. Because why wouldn't you? No, I am not going to ask for my money back, largely because I wouldn't ask for my money back on a pair of pants that broke as I walked out of the store. Right. Um, <laughs> um, because I am terrified of dealing with people. Uh, that's why I reside on the Internet, despite the fact that the Internet ruins everything. But Fair um, enough. <laughs> it's, it's a, I live a complicated life. But um, so, no, I'm, I'm not can ask because I it's absurd to as far as I'm concerned it is absurd to even think that you should be able to um I read some of the comments on that on the that they published as part of the polygon uh that people were like you know this is fraud and you know I hope the 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 legal system comes at dude please um it's not <laughs> there is no part of the Kickstarter terms of service that state that they are required that they are that you are guaranteed to receive anything um that's a risk that you're taking that's why it's generally you know yeah if if twenty dollars is going to make it so that you can't put gas in your car to go to work you shouldn't be on kickstarter this is kind of a you know mm-hmm. right like if twenty dollars is making the difference to buy gas in your car you probably shouldn't be playing video games a high-end luxury entertainment product <laughs> right. but the sense of entitlement out of a lot of the people in there I mean the people that backed it like incredibly absurd levels so they could have their faces scanned in or whatever I don't even know what the high-end rewards are but some of them are absurd um yeah. those guys okay I, I feel it but if you pitched in twenty dollars or less I mean yeah come yeah. on it's gone I mean it was three years ago at this point I don't even I I forgot that I had <laughs> pitched into it until I got (laughs) until I read through my Kickstarter emails which all go into one folder in my email and went oh I backed that (laughs) I should probably tell the the podcast folks for disclosure's sake that I am one of the backers in case that matters to them I have that Um, folder on my my email too the Kickstarter folder (laughs) it's just don't go in there you must never go there Simba But no, yeah. it's it's almost like gambling in a way. I mean, you you put your money down and you hope for the best. And I think the odds on Kickstarter are better With than video the odds in Las Vegas, for sure. But <laughs> um, yeah, you're definitely taking a gamble. And at a certain point, I think, you know, if they they did this Kickstarter three years ago, they tried and they failed. That is an investment that you that has gone awry. It's not a purchase that didn't ship out or something. It's an investment that you made that just didn't pan out. So that's kind of how I feel about it. That being said, I do think that there are smart things that companies can do, I mean, for their own sake, as well as for the sake of their their fans and their investors to make sure that Kickstarters go through. And uh, Fail Better Games is one of my favorite companies that um, they've had two successful Kickstarters and one failed Kickstarter. And they're, they've been really smart and open about their practices in launching the Kickstarter and one of the things that they did for their third Kickstarter, which was for Sunless Sea, was before they even launched or announced the Kickstarter at all, they made a prototype of the game to make sure that they knew exactly what resources they needed to go into it. And then they made this whole 
massive plan for it. And then they slashed two thirds of it because they didn't want to risk going over or promising too much, promising more than they could eventually um, put out. And then that's now being released as DLC, a lot of the stuff that they cut out. So they they have definitely, if you're interested in reading about successful Kickstarters on their website, uh, veilbettergames.com, they have some postmortems of the Kickstarters that they've run, which I find fascinating, even though I personally have never run a Kickstarter. I'm looking at my, I actually brought up my Kickstarter backer history um, to partially to remind myself of my shame, but <laughs> we talk about it being gambling. What's interesting is like for board games, it's not um, for the most part. Um, what, what's interesting is on the board game side, they get the, a lot of the board games that I see um, and you can tell you're, you are legit pre-ordering it and you're just paying for production because they've already done their stuff. They did their sculpts and some of them will take a while, but it's like, pre, like I'm looking at it and just about every board game that I've ever backed, um, I now own some of them were late. I had one that just showed up last month that was due November of 2014. That wow. was a bit of a delay. <laughs> they had some problems with production, but like, yeah, I'll back that up. Games. I've played a lot of really good Kickstarter board games. Uh, my friend Carson is a serial Kickstarter board game backer, it, but they're all so much fun. Like I've played so many cool new board games just cause he backs them on Kickstarter and now owns them. So yeah. I think I've gotten two of my ten board game or video games that I have backed have actually wow. like actually shipped, um, and I have one that was oh never mind I have three three and one of Jeez. them was Chroma Squad the uh, the the uh, strategy game about uh, Power Rangers that <laughs> was supposed to be delivered December of 2013 and it came out last summer. And I don't know if you guys know, I mean, calendar-wise, but, like, that was 2015. Um, so <laughs> yes, it was a little late. Exactly. Um, so it, it's been frustrating. There's a couple games that I get updates every couple of months, and I'm like, dude, come on, just just, just tell me it's canceled and right. save me my email box. I gave you my $15. I really don't care anymore. But I I'll think I'm unique. Yeah, I mean, it's just fine. Linda, have you ever backed anything on Kickstarter? Oh, my God. <laughs> I have backed so many things on Kickstarter. <laughs> Um, Are you another time, Kickstarter addict? Um, yeah, I love to back cool things on Kickstarter. But the problem is that gap between what sounds like an excellent idea and something really fun, and then whether the people can actually deliver on it. And I think you kind of have to put your business hat on a little bit and look at who's doing it. And if they have a record, they're kind of proven. Or if they're just kind of coming out of nowhere and they can market a good idea, but they really can't deliver what they say they can. So it is a little bit buyer beware, but I really do wonder if before long there will be more regulation applied to that kind of thing. You know, there's so much money involved and so many people. So I mean, hopefully people are getting smarter about how much it actually takes to produce a video game. Uh, that's, I know, a perception that the fail better people dealt with was they they needed to do everything they wanted to do, they needed a hundred thousand pounds and they pitched that number to a few people and everyone was saying that sounds really high. That sounds way, way too high. And so eventually that that's why they slashed so much of the game and they asked for 60,000 because that's kind of a number that we can wrap our heads around as, as people who don't make video games. Um, like, Oh yeah, that sounds like you can make a game for that much. Whereas, I mean, in reality, all those, those man hours, woman yeah. hours, people hours, <laughs> right? <laughs> All those people hours, all the technology, all the iteration, like it, it costs a lot of money to make a video game. And there's a, even as people invest in indie projects on Kickstarter and trust them with their money, there's still this doubt and mistrust when it comes to the numbers that indie studios put out there as what is necessary for them to make a game. If yeah. you ask for a million dollars, like that's relatively not a big amount of money, depending on what you're making. But as consumers, that's like, no way, we can't, we can't wrap our heads around it. Yeah, but Fail Better is an example of a Kickstarter that I probably would back because they have a record, they seem to know what they're doing, they're thoughtful about how they approach it. They so, could ask me for my kidney and I would mail it to them. <laughs> I know you would, I know. <laughs> don't do yeah. that. Don't do I'm that. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Don't, Cooler don't do heads that. will prevail um, here. So... Speaking of not knowing, uh, people not understanding development costs, you guys remember Bloodstained, that awesomely no. titled game? No, Bloodstained, I don't remember that either. 
Um, okay, so I was expecting everybody to be like, oh my gosh, Bloodstained. So let's talk about Bloodstained. So you guys know Koji Igarashi, the guy that made Castlevania Symphony of the yes. Night, maybe? Yes. Yes. Okay, yes. good. Okay. So he recently rolled into Kickstarter because everyone is leaving Konami, because why would you want to work for Konami? Um <laughs> Um, I certainly don't, although I don't make games, so whatever. So he uh, went Depends to Kickstarter. Depends on how much you love yourself. I, I, enjoy, I enjoy myself enough to not mm-hmm. want to work at Konami. I, I mean, I don't speak Japanese, so that would be like heavily not a good idea for me to go over there. But Bloodstained Ritual of the Night is a – it's a it's – a, it, they called it an Egovania game, but whatever. It's a Metroidvania game. Um, and they asked for $500,000. And I remember – when they announced that, I just I was just like, "There's no way that the guy who made Symphony, like Symphony of the Night, which was like not even in HD, was like basically uh, 16-bit sprites, yeah. was that cost more than five hundred thousand dollars? And nice. now he's going to make this beautifully hand-drawn, like all the characters draw their power from stained glass tattoos on their bodies, so like you oh, know geez. that their characters have to be like." way awesome you know yeah. like the art and whatnot and it's like there's no way five hundred thousand dollars and lo and behold he shows up on colin and greg live and he's like yeah well we've secured a whole bunch of funding from other people this is just the proof of concept right. if we can get five hundred thousand then these people these angel investors will believe that five hundred thousand that's the support we got and then they'll give they'll unlock this other untold millions of dollars but people who watch colin and greg live like you know, all, what, 2,000 people that watch it every day. Um, <laughs> like, we knew, and people that pay attention to game development and know mm-hmm. game developers know. So, you know, like the four of us. But, like, yeah. your average person saw that and was like, oh, man, they can make that game with 500,000? Then these fail better guys asking for 100? That's ridiculous. You only need 500,000 <laughs> to make a fully HD, you know. And so, the, and then Shenmue 3 asking for what, like a dollar and a half? I mean, like, yeah. that game is... <laughs> That game is going to uh, – so it's – that's the side where you have to know enough about – I know I'm just, you know, like pontificating and being kind of like arrogant about knowing stuff. But like you got to know that yeah, games yeah, are expensive. True. I mean you either take it as a as a gamble and you put your money down and you expect nothing or you do your research and treat it as an investment and say this is a solid company with a good history and what they're asking for looks like it – it could deliver what they're promising me, and I'm going to invest in that. But it still might not pan out, depending on what happens. That's yeah. right. Because it's really not an perfect. investment. Yeah. Total, I'm sorry to interrupt. Total non sequitur here. When you were saying Colin and Greg Live, I was like not registering what that show was. And I'm like, wait, I know what that is. I worked yeah, you, with those two yeah, people. You, you know <laughs> sorry, those guys. Colin and Greg. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, uh, Greg Miller and, and uh, Colin... Well, Colin, his last name is escaping me now, but um, Moriarty. Moriarty, that's right. Thank you. That's such a cool um, last name, and I say that as a person with a really cool last name. Yeah, I'm. So, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Well, you didn't need to say it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just. Yeah, you really threw yourself in, under the bus. Yeah, I know. It just popped into my head. Oh, Colin and Greg. Hey, I know two guys named Colin and Greg, and they are doing YouTube stuff. And uh, oh crap, <laughs> it's that. <laughs> You've got Suspicious. the three-year-old mom of a three-year-old brain, Nicole. Yeah. That's, yeah. Although that's Greg Miller, excuse. he did use me to remember his speech on the Game Awards. So I can't yeah, believe he used yeah, you that we way. might be even. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah. sorry to interrupt. Please continue. Uh, I think oh, I'm totally done. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> okay. So that's crowdfunding. It's still very interesting. I think it'll be really interesting to see how everything plays out. Especially as far as people wanting their money back and, you know, things of that nature. So let's move into our next segment, which is what we're playing. Yay. Simone, you want to start? I do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I I have actually not played um, any new games recently. However, we're going to go back to the Assassin's Creed thing. What I've been doing. Okay. While while I was in Texas with my my best friend Emmett, uh, we came up with this alternate universe for Assassin's Creed Syndicate where it takes place in Texas and it's a Wild West story. And so I decided 
on a whim to cut together a music video using trailer footage from Assassin's Creed Syndicate set to Beast of America, which you might recognize as one of the trailer songs from Bioshock Infinite. <laughs> I have been making this music video uh, just for my own, I don't even, morbid enjoyment because no one will care. It's ridiculous. It like they mention America a billion times in the song and it the video is clearly like in London, in England. It's the most cognitive dissonant thing that I have ever created, but I'm having so much fun. Um and then Ubisoft will pay me to make trailers for them, which is clearly the uh logical outcome of what I have been doing for the past yes, two days. But can but can you wrangle an eagle? That is the um, question. Sydney will not return my calls. I oh, have okay. tried. I, I have actually stood on my porch and screamed at the sky waiting for Sydney to come. Uh, but he will not heed me. Uh, unfortunate. But I, I'm sure our relationship will um, will improve with time. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Steven, how about you? Man, I've been playing a bunch of stuff. This week has been crazy. Um, so you get to choose. Do do we want to do um, – I don't know how many I can bring up, uh, but – do we want to talk about Unravel, or do we want yeah. to talk about, um, or do we want to talk that. about Avenger Academy? You can talk about Ooh. as many games as you want to. Whoa, that's that's like unfettered <laughs> freedom. I'll try and keep it under control. So let's talk about Yarny because he's adorable, and I suspect yes. that that might work in this context. Um, so how crazy? I mean, so looking at the internet again, you would think that this is like this terrible game. Um, thanks, Kill Screen. Um, so. <laughs> It's really not. It's just, it's probably, uh, this is a bold statement, but I think it's the best looking game of the generation. Wow. Wow. So, and by, you know, like, so it's crazy good looking. So basically the, the, do, are you the three of you familiar with, with Un Unravel? Oh yes. Mm -hmm. Courtney yes. made us all yarnies. Oh, yeah, we all right. have our yarnies. That's right. I saw yeah. that. I saw that on the Instagram. All right. So, um, <laughs> on the grams. I'm learning. I'm learning about the Instagram. I'm not. I'm not like hip with what the kids do, you know, <laughs> or the or the Simone does. So <laughs> right, yeah. like I don't. I'm learning. I am still. a child I, as well. You can call me a kid. That's fine. <laughs> I, I I I guess. Um. So it. So th this thing, this game, came out of the EA's press conference last year at E3 right. and just surprised everyone because EA is usually like guns and sports and hoop god <laughs> and Pele and you know like. Like dude bro stuff, right? And sometimes they sneak in like Mirror's Edge, but normally it's like dude bro stuff. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, this like super charming Swedish guy came out <laughs> with with a stuffed animal, and he and he talked told us about Unravel. And the the, the theme of the game is somewhat heavy handed in that um, it's about the it, it, it is the the theme is um, as we pass through life. We, um, we, we make connections with various people and in the form of memories. And so that is symbolized by this little yarn man who, as he walks through these various stages, um, is kind of leaving a piece of himself in the form of a, a yarn tail that just kind of fades off into the uh, left-hand side of the screen. Um, and he can use it for platforming tricks like a you know, swing. Um, he can tie knots in it to, you know, kind of do all sorts of stuff. It's a physics based 2d puzzle platformer. How about that for a whole bunch of buzzwords? So <laughs> the idea is, you know, it's, if, if a thing can move, you can move it. If you put weight on the other, on one side of a seesaw, you're going to make it move that type of mm. stuff. Um, cool. And so he travels through, so Yarny is like three apples high. So he's basically like a Smurf. <laughs> Does that, is that reference going to be lost on 80% of the audience? Probably be like, what the heck are you talking about? Um, well, no, there was, that terrible, yeah, there was that terrible 3D movie not too long ago. Actually, That's I think there terrible. was more than There's, one. There were two. Um, That's what I was going to so, say. <laughs> the, yeah, so we can't even use singular on that one, unfortunately. Okay, so <laughs> they're three apple, he's three apples high, basically. And so he's traveling through this world and everything is bigger than he is. Like, you know, you walk up on the beach and there's a crab and that crab is this monstrous, terrifying beast of a thing that you or I would be like, whatever, dude, get away, crab. Um, and so he's traveling through these and they play with scale. It's got a very like honey, I shrunk the kids vibe to it. Like everything is way bigger than he is. Um, and it's hyper realistic, despite the fact that there's like a little yarn dude walking through it. And it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, 
It's out on uh, PC, Xbox One, and uh, PlayStation Four. If you are an if you are an EA Access subscriber, you get up to uh, ten hours or the first two levels for free right now, um, which is how I am experiencing it because that's how I do everything with EA now. Um, <laughs> so it's I mean it's amazing. I mean I I can't say you know. G-O-T-Y, like, holy cow, like that kind of stuff. But, man, it's visually it, – it's way better looking than I thought it was. I'm uh, really happy to about- hear that. What Courtney's been enjoying it. Uh, she says it's pretty tricky. She's reached the point of the game where – the people haven't finished it yet, so there are no more walkthroughs. But she says it's so traumatizing when Yarny dies. And it's, like, Simone. <laughs> when he dies underwater. Well, well, when if you, like, it- crush him or have accidents – he doesn't die, like die, die. Oh, I mean, oh, he might okay. die, die. I don't know. He hasn't finished yeah. the game yet. But like, if you have an accident and he okay. has an obstacle and gets I get it now. Yeah. The worst part <laughs> is when you're underwater because oh, yeah. he does not swim and his no. death animation underwater is tragic. No. Um, the, the good news about this one is um, I played past the controller with my nine-year-old and my seven-year-old. And, you know, like basically you got two chances. And then you pass the controller to the right. Um, And the puzzles are intuitive enough that if you understand like how a seesaw works or how some, you know, basic stuff like that, the seesaw mechanics are big. Um, Then you can play it. My youngest son, who struggles with puzzles in some other games, really excelled. His only challenge was some of the the harder platforming stuff, but Mm -hmm. he just lacks the, the, the platforming vocabulary of a 35 year old man baby who's been playing Mario since, since he was five. (laughs) That is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me happy. Yeah, I know. I'm happy people are liking it too. So especially since, you know, Courtney, you know, loved it so much even before it was out. And I have the Yarny that she made me hanging off the edge of my laptop right now. Um, Sitting on my media center on top of a decoy duck. But more importantly, Simone and Courtney are both in love with the developer. We I don't are. Remember his name? I, I I believe his name is Martin Celine, and mm-hmm. I believe that he has. She had, I know he has children. He possibly has a spouse. I'm not making <laughs> any moves there. I'm not going to objectify him. I will just say that he is a kind-looking and gentle-seeming man with a beautiful accent and talented hands that are covered <laughs> in freaking tattoos, and I love him. <laughs> <laughs> You have a crush uh, on him. That's yes. what we used to Who call does she not have a crush on? Though? I really? know. She loves everyone. Oh my God. Last <laughs> night I was watching interviews about the Hateful Eight and I was reminded about how I'm going to marry Channing Tatum. Uh, <laughs> actually, I have a crush on Channing Tatum and his wife's relationship. They're so cute. <laughs> Who wouldn't they have are a crush? obnoxiously cute. Did you see the two of them on uh, Lip Sync Battle? Yes. <laughs> she was so good. Jenna. Yeah, she was amazing. She's amazing. Uh, Anyway, yeah, you didn't expect that reference out of me, did you? Um, No, but I'm so happy that you brought it up. (laughs) Um, Lip Sync Battle is my favorite. It is my favorite show on television other than So You Think You Can Dance. (laughs) That's your secret passion. Secret. So You Think You Can Dance isn't even my secret passion. I talk about it relentlessly on Facebook when it happens. (laughs) Um, How have I never seen that? I'm your friend on Facebook. um, I don't know. Did you block me for most of the summer? Uh, Did I like a f- no. <laughs> All right, good. Well, then I don't know. Just weird algorithm stuff. I'll keep I'll, an out. I'm, I've stopped yeah. liking things on Facebook because I'm trying to sort out my algorithms. So that probably that sentence made no that, sense. That but, might um, be it. Yeah. No, that makes absolute sense. Don't like anything for a month and then it, it, you might actually see new and interesting things. Yeah, there's a really interesting article in Medium about it that I found when I was researching something else. And uh, this person said they stopped liking things for two weeks and their Facebook experience was completely changed. Uh, so instead of liking things, they started like actually commenting if they had something to say. And so that's what I'm trying for for now. Um, I keep it's such a reflex. Like I, I'll see something. I'll be like, ah, I like that. No, you, you definitely like you definitely liked my cool anniversary stuff today. Damn I saw it. that. <laughs> yeah, Hold but, on. <laughs> but that was worth a, Go ahead. You can go ahead and unlike it if you want. I, I was just celebrating the fact that like three years ago, four years ago today, uh, I had an argument with someone on Facebook that spawned my website. <laughs> And so I shared. Wow. I shared it. It was I, I shared it because it was pretty awesome. Yeah, apparently, um, I liked it, even though I did. hate it. <laughs> you did. Well, we should you wrap hate up me. so I can it's go to okay. the bathroom. 
<laughs> yeah, Facebook has been good about the whole memory thing. Like, they've been really playing the three years ago, and I always get uh, baby pictures of Anna. Yeah, I'm like, oh well, I have to share this. It's adorable. <laughs> yeah, so, they are. People are probably getting sick of it. Well, I don't know. I, I yeah, bias, she's but cute. I think she's pretty cute. So, so, yeah. so Nicole, what are you playing? Um, I have been playing uh, Animal Crossing Amiibo Festival. Uh, oh, with- why? With Anna, with Anna, she's oh. three. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> that's that's it. You have a reason. Thank you. Yeah, um, that's all I so needed. I, yeah, I actually, I only played uh, through it once, and oh my god, it's such a boring game. Um, but Anna really enjoyed it. Actually, one of the things that I hated about it was having to read the little paragraph of the situations to her for every single turn. Um, and then she asked to play it again. It was really funny. She asked me, she's like, mommy, can we play the game with the animals? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, yeah, you're going to need to narrow that down. Um, <laughs> and then she's, she said something else, something about like, you know, the animals, the dogs or the whatnot. And I was like, I, st- I still don't know. And she's like, the one with the statues. And I was like, oh, you mean Amiibo Festival. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I played that with her. I played more Mario Kart with her. What else? Uh, how does she, how does she do a Mario Kart? She well, she comes in last, but she can finish all the races. Um, That's good. Well, she yeah, she can. That's a thing. Yeah, she loses. Um, she loses her confidence and will hand the controller to me and be like, "Mommy, finish this race for me." And I'll notice that she's on lap three of three, and it's like, "No, you can finish this race. You've done it two times now." <laughs> uh, so, um, so yeah, she does. She does fairly well. Like I said, she always comes in last, but you know, she can complete the races. Uh, and um. I've been playing Harvest Moon Seeds of Memories on my iPad because I love Harvest Moon. Uh, and for some reason, Courtney hates Harvest Moon. I have no idea why that is. Um, How is that even a thing? How does she I not know. like it? <laughs> How could you not like it? It's like Animal Crossing with farms. Um, so, yeah, so I've been playing that a lot. Uh, it's funny. I, I haven't played one in a while, but I get so sucked into those games. Like uh, This one is actually like i would say even worse in terms of like being addicting because you're collecting what they're calling memories which are basically achievements um so you're playing the game to get the achievement and last week i i made it to the 100th level of the mine which is a huge huge thing if you've never played harvest moon for some reason i went in the mine and was trying to attempt it with before i had my good hoe uh, which was really stupid. So the, the good hoe is, I know this sounds, sounds Don't terrible. Talk about hoe. me. Yeah, I know yeah. the golden hoe will let you uh, knock I, down. I can't even comment right now. <laughs> it I lets you knock down um, six squares in a row. You know, in the mine, you're basically, well, you know, you're you're smacking like the, the ore things. You're collecting the ores and stuff that you can turn into uh, gems. Um, but you're also trying to find the entrance to the lower level, which can be anywhere in that level of the mine. And some of the, the, the more... Uh, advanced ones uh are huge they are so (laughs) so huge and um and obviously this takes up all your energy as you're doing all this grueling work which means you have to have food with you uh in order to sustain yourself Um, and i got through this time but i tried it once uh like a couple weeks ago and i got to level 93 when i ran out of food and i was so upset oh Um, no yeah but i've done it painful yeah um and and I just have a has a proposed to one of the guys in the town, so that achievement's on its way as well. Mm. Um, and Congratulations! Then, yes, um, and Hearthstone. Uh, actually, uh, you know, well, not actually, everybody knows I play Hearthstone every day. Um, but uh, how yeah, do you feel funny. about the formats? By the way, what do you mean? I want the, the new formats. How they're gonna? Oh. Did you the things where they're gonna have uh, standard and wild and all that? Yeah, yeah. So wild is basically what they have now. Um, so that's not going to be that different. But standard, it sounds really interesting to me. Um, it seems like it could level the playing field a little bit because I think I talked about this last week. But like, I'll go up against like people who are just whipping out the legendary minions that you have a really hard time uh, dealing with, and so most of those are not going to be usable in the standard mode, which. Should be interesting. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I don't think they've uh, announced the date that they're releasing that yet. Spring. Um, that's spring. It. Thank you. Well, you know that's a very vague, 
a vague date range there. Um, <laughs> but they've been pretty good on, you know, having their updates out when they say they will be out. Um, but it's funny because, like, this the deck that I have got me really, really far last season. Like, the highest rank I had ever gotten. It has been crap for me this season. I am losing, <laughs> like, so much. I'm like, how is this possible? It's the same deck. And I'm using the same strategies that I use. It's like, I don't know. I must have been up against a bunch of like really terrible players last season. <laughs> or the, you got to keep innovating, Nicole. Yeah, that's true. The meta, that's true. The meta caught up with you. As someone who's played Magic the Gathering for yeah. a very, very long time, you know, you can play the same strat and eventually the meta will catch up to you, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but that's that's super inside baseball and I'm sorry. <laughs> that's what fine. about you that's linda fine. what have you been playing well i feel really lucky because my family i have you know grown children and grown nieces and nephews and we're all getting together to play this D type thing called fate um, and it's been really fun so far we just started creating characters but um my nephew isaac meyer looks like he's going to be a great game master and Oh, it's, I bet. Oh my yeah. god, he's great. Yeah, he's great. He's a um he has a podcast called History of Japan podcast. Um so he's an expert on Japanese everything and um I think it's just going to be lots of fun. It's kind of an urban fantasy thing that we're playing and it's based in awesome. Seattle. So it's going to be really fun. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Nice. And Any I'm, more progress in Rise of the Tomb Raider? I am almost done with Rise of the Tomb Raider. I love Yay. that game hey, so hey. much. Yeah. I still have, you know, I have to kill the bosses at the end, but I'm at right. the Lost City Inn. That's oh, a, yeah. it's a great game. I love it. I believe in you. I expect you to report back next week and let us know. Okay, well, <laughs> Simone. It's a challenge. I'll do it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The challenge has been laid out. Yes. Well, you know, you said you love it, Linda, which completely validates um, my love of it as well. Oh, my gosh. It's uh, great. It's really yeah. fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I think that's going to wrap it up for us this week. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, or did you have something to add, Stephen? I, I had I had one last one. I thought I didn't realize I was supposed to dump everything all at once. No, um, go for it. <laughs> so I'll make this fast. I think somebody said something about a potty break. Um, I want to talk about Avengers <laughs> Academy. And, oh, it was? Well, then you'll be all right. Um, <laughs> go on. So, so it's Avengers Academy on uh, iOS and Android. It is a city building game, which is, mm. you know, there's a oh. 50 million of them. However, the interesting hook on this one is that you are building – of um avengers high school and so <laughs> all the characters are like iron man and you know so it's like iron man and black widow and wasp and stuff like that but they're all like obnoxious teenage versions of themselves <laughs> so um because they're literally in high school so um you know the also like loki and the enchantress somehow join the avengers i don't know why but like the uh so it's it, just like any city building game it's an economic engine right like you have characters yeah. that you can send on quests and they take certain amounts of time uh so for example uh wasp is a teenage like socialite so one of the missions she will go on is plan campus parties and that <laughs> takes her four hours because she's like super duper into it but then other times she just has to walk around and take selfies and that takes one minute um <laughs> nice. that's so and there's there's like this overarching narrative where the Avengers Academy is built on this stuff called time fog, which um, various characters are stuck in, like the Hulk and Captain America and stuff like that. And you, over time, complete quests that take a lot of, you know, and, and you eventually um, kind of unlock those characters. Mm. Um my favorite part of this is um, that they have, you know, they have like these bonus characters that you can buy with premium currency because, you know, it's a free to play mm. game. <laughs> um, and one of them is the Vision uh, from the Avengers. The, you guys know who the Vision is, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Good. Good. So he's my favorite superhero of all time. I actually openly <laughs> nice. wept for every second that he was on the screen during Age of Ultron. Oh my. my son, who was with me, is like, Dad, why are you crying? I'm like, it's the Vision. It's the Vision. And he was like really Daddy legitimately loves that concerned. AI. I really do. Um, and the fact, I mean, Paul Bettany, he's my boy. Mm -hmm. I think I have a crush on Paul Bettany. Um, That's fair. So, yeah, I mean, he's great. because whatever. Um, and the best part is that <laughs> Vision is a DJ. <laughs> um, 
And so he, at one point, and I have a screenshot of this and I will send it to the three of you if you want it, uh, because I, I'm saving it for my review um, or roundup or whatever. I, I don't review free to play games, but when I talk about it and he's talking to Loki about his, how he's just a powerful synthesoid with advanced <laughs> DJing skill and he's, and he's got a hoodie on. And I, I, at that point I was like, this is. I want to give them dollars, so I gave them dollars. And <laughs> That's kind of adorable. It's on uh, iOS and Android. There is, I have not I'm I'm going to give them money. I have actually not done it yet. And I have enjoyed the game for about a week now without spending a dollar, um, which is rare for a lot of this particular genre. Um the art style is pretty, the characters are funny. Um I mean, Wasp and Enchantress are kind of obnoxious teenage stereotype girls. So if mm-hmm. you're offended by I do selfies and judge people, then perhaps avoid that. Um, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't exactly push this up there as a feminist masterpiece. However, <laughs> if you just want to see stupid teenage Avengers do stupid teenage Avengers <laughs> stuff, um, it's pretty funny. Tony Stark flirting with a teenage uh, Black Widow um, is really funny. That's um, cute. Yeah. So that's it. Awesome. All right, cool. Um, So I think that's going to wrap it up for us this week. Thanks so much for listening. If you have questions, comments, or feedback, you can send those to hello at pixelkin.org. You can follow us on Twitter at pixelkin underscore org and at gaming with moms and at Stephen, what's your Twitter? Oh, uh, you can find me if you're looking. I am. I can't even talk today. Despite the fact that I'm on a podcast for most of the time, um, I am at EF Gaming. So E like engaged, F like family, gaming. Awesome. Um, and then on Facebook, we are simply Pixelkin. And if you're listening to us on iTunes, please write a review. We would love that. If you're listening to us on Overcast, you can recommend individual episodes via Twitter. And we're on Blog Talk Radio. I almost forgot. Blog Talk Radio, we are simply gaming with the moms. And you can follow us on there. And they have a ton, ton, ton of podcasts on their network. So it might be worth checking some of those out. Um, And then we have a YouTube channel, fabulous YouTube channel. You should check out our video content. Simone just uploaded a video today about making little video game characters out of perler beads i did do that thing yes it's awesome okay um so thanks so much for listening and we'll be back with you next week